0: Ghost listeners. Hello,
1: phantoms and ghouls alike. We love you. <laughs> and so
0: we came back again this week to hang out with
1: you. It's all because of you. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hey. And I'm Sabrina. And we're telling spooky tales. Spooky tales. Get your blankets. Get your. uh It's officially September. So uh it's spooky season. You can light a fire.
0: In fact, I did. I had the fireplace on, well, my friend did, this past weekend, because it's fall. It's September, it's fall. <laughs> we're those people, and we're telling you it's okay. Do whatever makes you comfortable. Really lean into being all warm and cozy and spookiness. And we're going to start you off uh, with a couple haunting tales that you've emailed us. Yeah. Sabrina.
1: Oh, do you want me to start? I can start. Well, La parent. This is from Lexi. And it's called Little Ghost Boy and Sleep Clawing at the Wall. Hi, my name is Lexi. I'm 21 and I'm from St. Augustine, Florida, where uh, infamously Corinne's pirate boyfriend Andrew is from.
0: I've got a lot of, I've got, you know, there's that song, I've got hoes in different area codes. Well, I have ghosts and (laughs) ghost boyfriends, paranormal boyfriends.
1: (laughs) All over the world.
0: All over. Mr. Andrew Ranson.
1: Andrew Ranson. He was the first. He was your first love on this podcast. He was. I think it was like episode two. Yeah. Okay. So she says, I absolutely love your podcast. Growing up, my dad was always into spooky stuff. So we would travel around and always go to investigate places when we had free time. And I'd like to think it made me more susceptible to the paranormal. I've always wanted to send in some stories because I have so many but I'll start with this one and I'll try to condense. The first story I wanted to share was a house here that my mom and I lived in for a short while. My stepdad passed away a few years ago in the house we were living in at the time, and for obvious reasons, my mom was desperate to find a new place to live. About a month after, my mom and I were driving around town and saw a sign for a yard sale, so we stopped. There was some stuff inside of the house, and we discovered that the current tenants were moving. So my mom saw it as a sign that we stopped and immediately got info of the landlord Again, she was desperate to get away from the house we were in. And we started talking to the family. It was a mom, a dad, and a little girl. And the mom said they were moving back to the town they were from because the daughter was having a hard time socializing and was having bad nightmares. We thought it was weird, but we didn't think too much of it. So fast forward a couple of weeks, and we are moving into this house. And the previous tenants had left a few pieces of furniture behind. And one was a little dresser in the closet that was going to be my room. I pulled the dresser out and revealed two things a small hole in the wall that led to the third bedroom closet, and a drawing that the little girl had drawn on the wall. It was two stick figures. One of them, I figured, was the little girl, and the other was a boy. He had a hat on, and whereas her eyes were normal, this boy's were huge and black eyes. After this, I kind of brushed it off as her imagination and started joking around about the boy in the house. Over the next few weeks, random things would happen. I would get extreme feelings of dread randomly to the point where I would even cry or have to leave the house entirely. I blamed it on the grief following the passing of my stepdad. My mom and I got into an argument in the kitchen one night, and just as we started to really raise our voices, a chair from the table at the kitchen flew back like two feet. We both looked at each other and instantly dropped the argument because of how creepy it was. We would also hear people talking and the radio slash alarm would turn on randomly in the living room but we always said it was my stepdad letting us know he was still there with us. After a while, though, we realized it was not my stepdad, and I started having really vivid nightmares to the point that I was sleeping in my mom's room because mine was on the opposite side of the house, and I would wake up freaking out. One night, on the floor next to my mom's side of the bed, we heard scratching, and my mom thought it was my dog, Babo. He's a yellow lab, and he never does anything like that. He doesn't chew anything up or anything. So when it didn't stop, my mom turned the lights on and looked. My dog was in the living room and the door to her room was shut. The scratching continued every night, but we continued to write it off. I liked to paint and one night I was up super late painting and it was around 3 a.m. I decided to call it a night. To get to my mom's room, I had to walk down a hall and past the dining room, past the kitchen, and past the living room. So while I was headed that way, I saw something in the dining room out of the corner of my eye. It was crouched down and moving in a really weird way, like almost short erratic movements. But I kept walking because my mind processed it as my dog. That is until I made it to the living room and saw my dog sleeping soundly by the couch. My heart dropped. I had goosebumps. I have goosebumps writing this right now because I know something was there. The next day, I told my mom about what I had seen, and she turned pale. She told me that she had been seeing what she thought was a black dog out of the corner of her eye going around corners, and that it even ran Mm. past her when she opened her bedroom door one night. After we started talking about things, it got bad. We even woke up one night around 3.30am because the house was filled with smoke. In the middle of the night, the stove had turned on and was basically melting and cooking some of the items we had left on the stove. Not food. And we had eaten out for dinner that night, so it wasn't that we left the oven on. It was terrifying. Another night when I was up late painting, I heard my mom in the dining room. I walked out to see what she was doing awake, but she wasn't awake. She was sleepwalking. I said, hey, mama, what you doing? And she looked over to me, and I can't even explain the look in her eyes. It was not my mom. Ooh. She then looked at me and said, I have to get her. And then she walked over to the dining room wall that was against my bedroom door and started clawing at it. (gasps) Oh. No. Oh my God. Full body (laughs) chills. I walked over to her and tried to stop her and she pushed me off and kept on with the, I need to get her. I need to get her. I need to get her out. I finally got my mom back to her room and then she came to it and asked what we were doing. She had no recollection of trying to get into the dining room wall. And she also told me that a few nights later I sat straight up in bed when she happened to be awake Again, in the middle of the night, and she asked me what I was doing, and I started crawling down the side of the bed like some kind of animal. She turned on the light and grabbed me so I didn't hurt myself trying to get off the bed. She said I looked at her in the eyes and laid back down like nothing happened. There are so many little things that happened there that I could write a 10 page email. After the sleepwalking, though, if I would have a sleepover at a friend's house or something, my mom would literally sleep in the car. When your parent is scared of a house, it's hard not to be absolutely terrified, you know? They're supposed to have the explanation, and she never could come up with one. After a few more extremely scary events, my mom decided to look for a new place to live, and we ended up actually breaking our lease after only being there for a few months. The last night we stayed there, my mom and I decided to pull up the carpet in the place that we had heard the reoccurring scratching, next to my mom's bed, where the carpet was now starting to look more and more torn up. We discovered a weird section of the wood under the carpet that seemed cut out separately from the rest of the wood under the carpet. We decided not to search any further. And after we moved out, I had to go to the house to grab a couple of last things that we didn't get. I grabbed them, and as I was closing the door, I heard a huge bang that sounded like something heavy had fallen in part of the house that my room was in. Instinctively, I pushed the door back open to see what had fallen, but then I stopped myself because I realized the house was completely empty. A few days later, the landlord, who thankfully let us out of the lease, called my mom and told her that she had to keep part of the deposit because of the circle that was burnt into the carpet in the center of the living room. My mom was shocked. Obviously, we didn't do that, and it was not there when we had left and moved out of the house. So she happily told him just to keep the deposit because she didn't want to deal with the house ever again. We never went back to that house. But a few months later, however, we were telling someone about our experiences there and decided to pull the house up on Google Maps to show them the place. When my mom opened up the image, we saw all of our stuff on the front deck, so it hadn't been updated since we lived there. But after taking a closer look, we saw what we think could be a little boy looking over a ledge on the porch. I'll attach the picture from that, and you can decide whatever you guys see. I have so many stories I want to share with you guys, especially some of my experiences from investigating with my dad, But I feel like I just wrote a novel, so I'll send you some of those another time. Thanks for reading, and please never stop being awesome and spooky. I absolutely adore you and the podcast. If you ever find yourselves in the nation's oldest city, you have a place to stay. See you on the other side, but hopefully sooner. Lexi.
0: Okay, I... uh Well, obviously, I need to first look at the pictures. Mm -hmm. (gasps) Ew! (gasps) I feel like I shouldn't be looking at this photo. Anytime I see a ghost (laughs) on tape, I'm like, why did I do that? I shouldn't have seen that. That's now burned into my memory. Doesn't it
1: look like a little blonde boy?
0: It kind of, yes. It almost reminds me of, like, Dear
1: David. Kind of, yeah. Do you remember?
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely a little,
1: like, less creepy. Like, it truly looks like a child. But It's so interesting because it kind of makes me think that there was a fire in that house way back when and maybe a mother or someone was trying to get their child like the her mom sleepwalking and doing i have to get her i have to get her and like clawing at the walls and
0: actually so you might be on to something because first i was thinking okay this is really creepy there's like this dark demonic hound there there's something evil that's burning like a ritual circle into what's it called the rug and then the oven turns on But this might all make a bit more sense if we go off of the idea that there was a fire because Mm -hmm. then not only would it make sense as to why her mom was so desperate to get into her room, it would also make sense why people, things or people or whatever they see are crawling. Because when there's a fire, you crawl, you stay low to the ground to try to take in less smoke. So actually that would make a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. I'm curious though. I wonder what the scratching by the bed is. Like it- if it is a fire, if we're going to go with that theory, then, like, it's so sad and disheartening to think that something was trying to, like, get out of the house in that room, you know, scratching through right. the walls and the doors or like the floors. It could have been
0: the dog, like the animal. Oh,
1: that's so sad. Right? Yeah.
0: Oh, you know what? The As terrifying as all of this is for Lexi and her mom to experience, what's, I guess, a silver lining of it is that neither of them— Like it it was either one or the other, you know? Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't both of them experiencing something horrible there was always someone that was like alert and awake and able to kind of like redirect the person that was experiencing something paranormal in their dreams or whatever. And like being able to kind of protect them at least a little bit.
1: But I will say that's the only stories we're hearing, but we don't know how many times it happened when someone else wasn't awake because there was no witness
0: to know. True. That freaks me out. Like what if the neighbors were like, oh my God, don't talk to those people that live across the street. Do you see them like Walking around in a circle in the middle of the night in their living room. So
1: spooky. Oh my God.
0: Oh, that freaks me out. It just made me think too that like the the fire mark on the carpet, like what if it wasn't actually fire? What if it was truly from Lexi and her mom like returning to the (laughs) house, like possessed at night and just like walking around in a
1: little ritualistic circle. Oh my gosh.
0: That would being possessed.
1: That's freaky, but I also think they would have noticed a, a ring that they had created before moving out.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I was just saying if after they'd moved out, if like they didn't even realize they were leaving their new place in the middle of the night and would return.
1: Oh, like going
0: back to it? (gasps) Like Haunting of the Hill House just like called back. I do not like that. Well, we can pretend that I never said that Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's really scary. So scary. Okay. I have an email that this is called, My dad saw a leprechaun and a doppelganger. Oh, and I think I was possessed once. Oh. There's a lot. Hey, girls, my name is Azana, and I've been listening to your podcast since it began. Anyway, it's been three years of procrastination, but I finally decided to do a story dump onto y'all, and I'm going to start with a couple of my dad's personal stories. He's had several encounters, and I love when he recounts his stories to new people, but since he doesn't listen to podcasts and definitely won't be emailing people (laughs) anytime soon, I've decided to take it upon myself to do the retelling. That way you can re-retell the story. (laughs) Anyways, here we go, my dad's stories. My dad has been practicing martial arts since he was a kid and this story takes place back in his youth. One day, he was outside practicing his techniques when he started hearing rustling coming from the detached garage that was near his punching bag that was hung. He tried to ignore it at first and assumed that it was just an animal that maybe had somehow gotten in there. My dad continued to practice, but the longer he did, the louder and the more annoying the rustling became. Eventually, he decided to go look around outside of the garage to see if there were any cracks or holes. Maybe an animal had gotten into the hole, but everything was all sealed up. Upon seeing that there was absolutely no way that anything could have gotten in, he decided to go get my grandpa, who we call Pop, to unlock the garage and go check. I think maybe my dad was 13 or so at this point, so a little bit of a chicken despite all of his training. <laughs> Finally, Pop came out, young dad in tow and opened the garage door. And believe it or not, as soon as the door was open, a man with flaming red hair, very closely resembling my ginger dad's own hair, a green hat, green vest, green shirt, green pants, and black gold-buckled shoes came jumping out towards them and ran off down the street. In shock and momentarily frozen, my dad and grandpa just stared, dumbfounded. After a few seconds, they snapped out of it, jumped in the car, and speedily raced down the street, for about a block or two, trying to chase this man down. But then, out of nowhere, the man simply disappeared. And I know that that sounds so far-fetched and silly, but both my dad and my grandpa were able to recount this story in absolutely the same level of detail as each other at separate moments in time to me, my siblings, and my cousin. I have no reason not to believe them, but I'm also jealous that I didn't get to see it too. They never saw him again, and of course, nobody around them when it happened believed them at all. But it all does leave one question in my mind. Did we miss out on our Irish ancestry's fortune since they couldn't catch him? (laughs) All right. so the first story may have seemed a bit weird, but this next one is super creepy and one of my favorite stories that my dad tells. This one also takes place when he was a kid, and I think he may have been a little bit younger than the previous story. To begin, I need to give you a little bit of backstory, since this one also involves my grandma, who I called Nanny. Nanny and Pop always had their own chairs in the living room. Nobody was allowed to sit in the specific chairs except for the chair's owners. That was their rule. That was fine, though, because there was also a couch or two and plenty of space for everyone. My grandparents had an unhealthy love of Dr. Pepper, my nanny specifically. So much so that my dad joked about wanting to paint a bottle of Dr. Pepper and a pack of cigarettes, my grandma's other vice and cause of death for both of them, on my grandma's coffin when she passed away. Of course, he didn't actually do that, but honestly, I think he should (laughs) have. Anyways, my dad and aunt weren't allowed to drink Dr. Pepper without permission, so of course my dad's little bad self decided to sneak into the kitchen one night while, while my grandparents were sleeping. When the time came to commit his crime, he stuck his head into his parents' open bedroom door to make sure that they were both, indeed, asleep, and, once satisfied, made his way into the kitchen. He did his thing, he snuck a glass of forbidden fizz, and he began heading back to his room. He had to go through the living room to get back to his room and happened to glance up at the darkness of said living room in the direction of Nanny's recliner, then froze, dead in his steps. Why, you ask? Because he saw his mom sitting in her chair, smiling at him like someone who just caught a criminal, stuck her hand out, bent a finger in a come here type of gesture, but realizing he was about to get in trouble and there was no sense in trying to get out of it, He walked, still in the dark, towards his mom. However, Mm -hmm. right before he was within arm's length, the full moon shined through the window above and revealed that, although this woman looked exactly like his mom, she had no eyes. (gasps) Where the eyes should have been were just pitch black orbs looking straight at him. As her smile grew into one triumph, And she began to slowly rise and assume a standing position. Terrified, my dad started quickly backing away towards the hall, never taking his eyes off the warped version of my nanny, who at this point was just standing there watching him. Oh my gosh. The further he got, the faster he backed up until, to his surprise and terror, he bumped into what felt like a human body behind him. Swiftly, he turned around and was grabbed by the shoulders by his mom. The real one. The one that was asleep when he went into the kitchen the one that birthed him, the one that loved him. And upon realizing that it was my actual grandma, he quickly looked back behind him towards the living room and the chair, both of which were completely empty and void of any creature, living or dead. He was so spooked that he didn't even bother explaining what had just happened to Nanny. He just took his punishment and he went right back up to bed. So what do you think it was? Doppelganger, dark spirit, demon, which D is it? <laughs> I'm interested to know what y'all think. My dad has so many other stories, too, and most of my childhood was spent living in several haunted houses. I'm not sure if those houses themselves were haunted or if maybe it was my dad that was the magnet to the spirit world, but I do have a personal story which took place in one of those houses that I'm about to share with you. Actually, this one will be a two-in-one, and then I'll stop yakking away. <laughs> I, love the way, I love the way she writes. It's hilarious. Yeah, we're just chatting with her. My story. So when I was a kid, we moved... Every two to four years, always in the same town, just different areas. I attribute it to my dad being a Sagittarius, but being unmotivated to actually travel, so he appeased his roaming spirit with moving houses frequently. (laughs) Either way, we moved a lot. And although our first house included several ghost animals, unfortunately, you do not get to hear those fluffy stories today. Nope. Today, we are going to be talking about the second house, or as I call it, the House of Nightmares. The summer before my fourth grade year, my dad, stepmom, me, and the four out of eight siblings that also lived there moved to a new house. It was across town from the first house and just so different than what I was used to. I'll spare you all of the illustrative details of the whole house, however, because they are mostly unimportant and I still have nightmares occasionally, so I'd rather not try to remember the cold tile floors or the creepy bathroom (laughs) where I played Bloody Mary for the first time. Oops, too late. Anyways... The first night (laughs) when we were all staying there, my sister and I decided to stay in the room that belonged to our three brothers. At that age, sleepovers in each other's room or all together in the living room were common for us. Here, I will take a few moments just to draw a picture of the room since this is the important part. When you walked into my brother's room, directly in front of you would be a window. To the immediate left was a wall that had a closet. To the right of the door was our younger brother's bed that they shared at this point. I think that they were like five and seven at the time. I was nine. My older brother was 10. Our sister was six. And so my two younger brother's bed that they shared was up against this wall. Opposite of their bed was our older brother's bed. And opposite the closet was a dresser that they had their TV on. This particular night, my sister and I slept in the middle of their beds on a pallet of blankets and pillows that were made up on the floor. I was next to my older brother's bed, to the right of me was my sister, and then to the right of her were our two brothers in their bed. As always, I was the last one to fall asleep. On my older brother's bed, there were these purple sheets with several of the Goosebump character Slappy the Dummy's face and hands all over it, spaced out in a pattern. I'll attach a picture of him just so you can see the sheer horror that is the motherfucking ventriloquist doll. (laughs) Oh, I remember him. As I was getting comfortable and rolled onto <laughs> my left side, I was suddenly face-to-face with one of these dummy heads. At first, it was no big deal. I was tired, it was late, I was ready to go to bed. But after initially seeing him for some reason, I just kept wanting to look at him. So here I am, nine years old, face-to-face with an inanimate depiction of a fake dummy, probably at 3 a.m. And with my luck getting ready to fall asleep, when all of a sudden, this motherfucker on this goddamn bedsheet. Turns his head to me, takes one of his index fingers, places it on his mouth in (gasps) a shushing motion, and next thing I know, I'm waking up the next morning, no memory of falling asleep, and forever being mortified of eventual quiz dummies. Oh. In the same house, one night, while my dad was working late, all of us kids were supposed to be in bed. My stepmom heard one of us leave our bedroom, walk to the kitchen, and not thinking too much about it, she continued reading in bed, laying on her side, back to the door, until she got this urgent feeling of needing to look behind her. Slowly, she turned around to face the open doorway to her room, and in the doorway was my nine-year-old self, holding a sharp-ass kitchen knife, staring dead-eyed at her. <gasps> oh my gosh. After a few quiet moments of our stare down, she finally asked me, What are you doing out of bed, and why do you have a knife? Slowly, I raised my eerily rigid arm up, pointing the the knife at my stepmom for a second. Then I laid the flat part of the knife against the opposite wrist right over my vein, and I told her, cut right here. (gasps) Oh? I have no memory of this, and although I swear my stepmom is the one that told me this story, to this day she says that she has no memory of it anymore either. I've recounted this story multiple times over the years to multiple different people, and years later, none of them remember me ever telling them, my husband included, And I've been with him for 11 years, but as I was telling him which story I was typing up to y'all, he told me he doesn't remember me ever telling him this. I'm not sure what to make of these experiences, but I think maybe it was some sort of foreshadowing of sorts for my teenage years when I began self-harming. I no longer do that, though, so no worries, but it all seems so strange. Oh, and one more strange thing about that house. My sister and I were notorious for having a messy-ass room. Like, It was difficult to even see the floor for all of the toys, clothes, (laughs) and whatever else we just let pile up on the floors. In every house, it was the same, except for this house. In this one, if we left even two toys on the floor, we were woken up in the middle of the night by all of our shit being thrown across the room by unseen forces. It was terrifying. Did I mention that we only lived in this house for one year versus the two to four years that we had in our previous homes? All right, girls. Well... Now that I've typed out a novel of short stories, I'm going to try to go get some sleep and may try to email you later with some of those ghost animal stories and perhaps some others. I can't promise anything, though, because it did take me three years to even type this one up. <laughs> Love you, gals. See you on the other side. Azana. Oh, my God. What if we forget? We can't because it's on the recording now. I mean, we we might forget, but, like, it's forever out there now, right? Unless everyone
1: that listens forgets. No, we must preserve the story. We must remember. That's so – what a strange – thing that even her mom who told her the story doesn't remember it
0: yeah it's really weird that every single person who's either been a part of the story and experienced it or heard it has forgotten it after some time
1: so wild also that that ghost just throwing the toys makes me think of just like a neat freak who's like what you can't just leave this stuff everywhere oh my god i think that we always joke about like what
0: would we be like as spirits but like i think that would be me that's the kind (laughs) i I wouldn't even get to the hauntings because i would just be like Oh, my God. I, I can't. Like, everything must have a place and this. is cluttered.
1: And you would be doing laundry, too. You would for sure put loads of laundry in.
0: For sure. A little midnight run. I got yeah. you. Enjoy your morning. <laughs> Don't even worry about the laundry. I got you.
1: That's very helpful. I'd appreciate that as a ghost. Well, Sabrina, if I die before you, I'll do your
0: laundry. Thank you so much what is time anyway i won't even know the difference between a <laughs> second or 10 years so wow that house sounds so scary and also her dad's experiences are wild so first one the leprechaun i think that that's really 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 cool yeah but then the one oh god i have shivers again I just know. Bleh, like it makes me g- gag just thinking about this evil ass like doppelganger creature with hollow eyes just slowly
1: doing the little like finger, like, come here, trying to get him closer and closer. Especially in that moment, too, when he was doing all that he could to not get caught. So it was like a very manipulative, strategic ghost. Yeah. He was like, you stole Dr. Pepper and I caught you, come here. And then as he gets closer, it's like, I'm not actually your mother.
0: It, it makes me think that there's something so dark that's like, let me play into your deepest fears. And in that moment, his biggest fear
1: was getting caught by his mom yeah. drinking Dr.
0: Pepper. And so
1: that's what he saw. I wonder if he ever saw that spirit or thing ever again.
0: Oh my God, I don't know. And would he even know if it was that thing? Because, you know, it could right. take a different yeah. form. Whatever's ah! scariest in that moment is what it appears
1: as. So spooky. Very spooky. Okay. Let me just readjust and get comfy. This is from Brett, and it's called Stalker Entity. Howdy! First off, I love the podcast, and even though I've only listened to y'all for a couple of weeks now, I'm obsessed. I listen to y'all every time I'm in the car or I'm completely stressed out at work. Anyway, I've always been interested in the paranormal, and I've always seen things I feel like I should not see. I've always been embarrassed to admit this, but your show has given me the confidence to tell my story. I grew up in Mansfield, Texas, in an old but beautiful farmhouse. The house was built by one of the founding families of Mansfield, but it was built in the 70s. We moved into the house in 2005 when I was 10, and my parents still own the house today. I feel like I was antagonized my entire childhood living in the house. A dark figure would stand in the corner of my room every night and would eventually make its way to the end of my bed. I don't know why or how, but I could sense that it was a man— I couldn't tell if he was staring at me because he had no face, but I could tell he was not a positive entity. When my sister went to college, I moved into her room, and I never saw him again when I was in that room. But I began to suffer from extreme sleep paralysis. The paralysis got so bad that I actually went to a doctor about it. I never saw anything during these attacks because I slept on my stomach but I could feel something on top of me. Oh, this makes me so sad and scared because I thought sleeping on my stomach would prevent sleep paralysis, but I guess not. Apparently
0: not. It's not just because you sleep (gasps) on your back.
1: Now that I've been in college for four years, I've never moved back into the house, and when I visit, nothing ever happens to me. I go to the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas, and I have lived in several apartments since moving here. My first apartment did not have any activity, but my second apartment did. One night around 11 p.m., I ran out to my car by myself to grab my credit card to order pizza for me and my best friend, and as I shut my car door and turned around, a dark shadow figure was standing directly behind me. I was so scared, I couldn't move or scream, and when I finally could react, I jumped into my car and floored it out of the parking lot. I parked my car in front of my building and walked inside through the main lobby entrance, I was completely gray, and it scared my best friend so bad that he thought I had been assaulted. I never saw this spirit or thing in the parking lot again because I refused to park there. The next year, I went to Mardi Gras in New Orleans with my two best friends, and while I was in Marie Laveau's voodoo shop, I met a lady who had driven all the way from Michigan to see this highly recommended medium. Unfortunately, I cannot remember the medium's name, but I will never forget what he told me when I eventually met with him later that day. After he read my cards, which were all positive, he told me that something was attached to me. A dark figure of a man. He said this man was trying to protect me and that he was a very powerful presence in my life. The medium told me that this figure was one of my ancestors that felt a need to watch over me very closely. But to be honest, he needs to back off because he's scaring the crap out of me. I don't know if the figure I've always seen is him, but I feel like it could be because I've seen the same man so frequently. I also don't know why he seems like a negative entity to me if he's trying to protect me. Regardless, I'm just going to keep my distance and hope he keeps his. See you on the other side, Brett. It sounds like this guy is just coming on a little too
0: strong and doesn't realize it. Like, he's just taking his job really seriously and puts off this weird energy.
1: Or are there multiple spirits and there is a negative one and occasionally it gets past this protective spirit.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, because what if there is some sort of negative presence, whether it be something that's, like, just passing through or something that's actively trying to move itself closer to Brett? Yeah. And that is when he sees this protective spirit because it's it's doing more and exhibiting mm. more,
1: uh, I don't know, more of its presence and more energy. I also imagine that he's seeing the negative spirit because... Like he said, when he sees this thing, it has to him, it emits a negative energy Mm. that occasionally maybe there's this battle between this negative entity and this entity that's trying to protect him and the negative one wins sometimes, or maybe like slips past the positive one who's trying to protect Brett. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like we we're pretty good at trusting our own guts and like reading energy. So I, I know I hate to think that this entity that's protecting him gives off bad vibes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because that just seems manipulative. That seems like this dark presence that's masking itself as something light when it's the opposite I mean, if if you were in New Orleans, I would also trust what, what yeah. you're there too, right? There they know what's I going on. I picked that story
1: as an So pay to pay homage to what should have been a New Orleans trip last weekend.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I know. We were supposed to be there a few days. I know. Ago.
1: We'll go okay. we'll go soon.
0: Yeah, it doesn't mean we're not going. It just means we didn't go last weekend. But dang, it also makes me wonder if there's any if like Brett can think back to anything that's like bad that's happened. I wonder if this dark presence might be like the sign of a like a bad. Ooh, omen. scary! Like maybe maybe that's the feeling. Like maybe this seeing this spirit is actually a spirit that's trying to protect him, but is carrying the feeling of whatever is about to happen with it as like an a warning right. and it's just not communicating. Yeah. Right, right. Ooh, I don't yeah. know. Okay, I have another one. Hello ghostesses. Okay, so first I would like to state that I'm a horrible procrastinator and I've had this in my drafts for a few months. It's part of a bigger email that I was putting together, so I'll edit it out, but wanted to answer the call for men in black stories. Yes! I can't believe I almost forgot this, but I was listening to the Mothman series from Astonishing Legends, and when I heard them start talking about men in black, I almost wrecked my car because I remembered a men in black story of my own, or shall I say men not in black. So maybe two years ago, my brother was home alone one morning before he went to work at 10. His truck was in the shop, so it looked like no one was home. Also, I feel like I should mention that on top of all of our spooky stuff, myself, my mom, and my brother all work for a perpetual care company, and my and my mom and brother are both located at the cemetery, so I'm sure that doesn't help our situation. <laughs> Regardless, he was home alone, and he heard a dog barking and the cat growling from the kitchen, so he went to go check and see what was up. He found our dog by the garage door terrified and whining oh. and the cat next to the dog still growling with all of its hair stuck up on its back. Normally, the cat only growls when shit is really going down, like ghost shit. And so he was looking around and he noticed that there was a car outside. He crept over to the window above our kitchen sink that overlooks the garage. And from here, you can see our carport, our driveway, and the patch of grass between us and our neighbor. There's also the start of a fence that separates our yards and and a little gate on their side. So when he looks out the window, he sees two men walking around by the fence in a white car and a white car. It wasn't a big van or anything, but he said it just looked like this white Camry or something, and it had a logo on it. The men had their backs to him, but they were dressed the same, in some tan work pants and a white shirt with the same logo on it as the car. He said that they were the exact same build, the exact same height, They were short and stout, almost a little bit taller than the Oompa Loompas (laughs) from the newer Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And they had deep tan skin. Their hair was shaved really short into a buzz cut. And when they finally turned around, he said that their faces were identical.
1: (gasps) One of them was holding a
0: tablet of some sort. And he was looking at the wires coming out of it, connected to the device. And the other one was holding it. My brother said that it looked like a... Geiger counter or something with a big wand and he was waving it over sections of the fence. They didn't say a word and just kept sweeping the fence for whatever they were trying to find. He had a weird feeling and he didn't really like the vibes that he was getting from this whole situation. But by this point, my brother was about to shit himself. So he hauled ass (laughs) back into his room, called our mom to see if she knew what was going on, who they were. And she was like, uh, no, and told him to go look and see if they were still there. He'd been in his room for only maybe 45 seconds. But by the time that he looked back through the window, they were gone. He walked outside to see if he could see the car driving down the road, but there was no car in sight. The real no. kicker, the fence that, had been, that fence had been struck by lightning twice that month alone. We asked our neighbors if they had called someone to come out and look at it, and he, they said no, and we didn't either, so we have no idea what they were doing. I can't for the life of me remember what the name of the company was, but when we looked them up on Google, they didn't exist. There was a town in Arkansas that was on the shirt, but we couldn't find anything about that town either. I don't know if you could call them men in black or not, since it didn't quite fit the normal physical description, but they sure as hell weren't there to plant daisies. (laughs) (laughs) They were looking for something, and I'm not sure if they ever got it. But during that time period, we were seeing a lot of weird stuff in the sky, and a lot of spiritual activity was occurring. I fully believe there's life out there, and that it comes here. Honestly, the scariest part is how I completely forgot about this whole story when it was only maybe two years ago. For a while, it was all I could think about, and I was on the hunt for any information that I could find. Either I had too much other freaky shit happening that I put it on the back burner, or maybe I just wasn't supposed to remember it. But since I wrote this a few months ago, we've had lightning strike another tree in our neighbor's yard, and when we went out of town last week, lightning struck in our backyard. I can't make this shit up. Half of the clock's in our house, have had to be reset. They're not working normal. And the only other thing to be messed up was the ceiling fan, and I've only had it for a few years now, but it's not working. And this shouldn't be happening. We live in a normal subdivision. We aren't out in the country. Our house is average sized. Nothing should be drawing in this much lightning. I have a whole other email's worth about weird lightning, and I can send it both to you guys, but I had to get my Men in Black email in for the birthdays. Happy sun celebrations to you both make good choices, always use your blinker, stay spooky, (laughs) and I will see you on the other
1: side. Charlie. Wow. Okay, all I can think about is ley lines and like something about like there's clearly some electrical current in that area for it to be struck by lightning so many times. Yeah, it makes you think that like a ley line or like some sort of like
0: metal, like something's buried, like it makes me wonder if I mean, I feel like I can't even begin to open my mind up enough to (laughs) fathom what could possibly be the reason for this. So I feel like my example is going to be just, like, so basic. But what if there was, like, a spaceship, like, UFO crash way back in the day, Mm. and it's kind of like a cleanup crew? Like, you know how we still go and we try to find, like – old shipwrecks in the ocean and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. What if there's a specific task force that's looking out and trying to recover this old ancient material that has lodged itself and kind of been um, taken over by
1: earth? What if this is the point in time where the men in beige become recognized as an entity and other people have seen them and now we're going to start getting stories and this is a, a group that exists and they're, yeah, they're
0: searching for things. The men in beige are probably preferred over the men in black. The men in black approach you, talk to you, but the men in beige, they just, they do their thing and they disappear.
1: They're paranormal hunters.
0: It's interesting though, that the amount of, I don't don't know, just like terror from the animals that was happening.
1: Which is like, are they some other species or did their equipment set the animals off? Right. Yeah. That could be another possibility. Oof, I don't know. I'm really into this ley line theory, though, because especially how she how Charlie was saying how they have so many paranormal experiences. And like after being struck by lightning, they amplified and it got worse. And there were a lot of weird things in the sky. Right.
0: Yeah. I don't know where they are. I mean, she said that on the T-shirt, there was a town in Arkansas that was listed that like they couldn't find any info on. But I don't know if they themselves were in Arkansas. But now we need to Google ley lines and like where
1: where they are out. Yeah. Charlie, let us know where you are.
0: Please give us your exact address. No, don't divulge all the info. Just like enough.
1: Yeah, just a little bit. Enough for us to deep dive. This is just for us. This is our extracurriculars.
0: Yeah, that's our that's our new hobby. We have many hobbies now. It's all about
1: conspiracy theories, ley lines, paranormal activity. And I have a story from Caroline. It's called The Nun Named Pay A Ouija board experience. Hey girls, and Leia, Fruit Fly, and Nick. I'm Caroline, an avid paranormal lover from Toronto, Canada. Well, Caroline, you just became Nick's favorite phantom. <laughs> so true, I'm never going to tell Nick. <laughs> no, he needs to listen if he wants to know. That's true. He has been No one tell him. begging to be back on the podcast. <laughs>
0: I know, he's been posting on our Instagram. He's been commenting. He's so silly.
1: Kyline says, first, congrats, Sabrina and Nick, on the engagement. I honestly squealed when I found out. I found your podcast in November of last year and have been addicted. Like, ask anyone I know, and they will tell you that I won't shut up about it. I'm almost love that. caught up, but I feel like you're both now my best friends. Therefore, you are not allowed to stop doing this podcast by any means. Okay? All right. Okay. Anywho, I'm a Scorpio, so by nature, of course, anything dark and spooky is my forte, although I've only truly had one ghost encounter. Not that I'm like begging for more, but I would have expected more, you know? My encounter happened in my first year of university in 2017. It was my 18th birthday, and my friends and I had planned to go up to Montreal from Toronto for the weekend. It's legal there to drink and go clubbing at the age of 18, so it's a no-brainer. My friends also had their high school friends attending Concordia University up there, so that was another reason to go. Now, the Grey Nun's residence at Concordia University has quite the history. Here's the brief version, but I recommend reading more about it. The Grey Nun's mother house, home of the Roman Catholic Congregation of Sisters of Charity of Montreal, was acquired by Concordia University in 2007. The congregation was founded in seventeen thirty seven and they moved into the mother house in eighteen seventy one. The big building was home not to just nuns, but women in difficult and poor in difficult times, the poor and needy, orphaned children and wounded soldiers. Nuns even continued to live there in the East Wing until twenty thirteen when Concordia took over the entire building. On Valentine's Day in nineteen eighteen, a fire broke out on the top floor which was the orphanage. It left 38 bodies of infants and young children charred, with a total of 53 confirmed deaths and possibly more. I'll get into this a bit later. As well, there's a legend of Jean-Baptiste Goyer, which is a whole story in itself. And now back to my experience. One of the girls who lived in the Grey Nun's residence is super spiritual and way into the occult, so she was telling us all of her spooky experiences whilst staging her room. It was a total mood. Then we decided to do a Ouija board. I know it was kind of stupid, but we were like just some rebellious young adults. And some of our group members were like, hell nah, and then just left and roamed around. So that left four of us to do our thing. We made a makeshift board on cardboard, and I can't remember what we used for the planchette. My friend Dana is the expert on Ouija, so she gave us all the rules and made sure we knew what not to do. You know, knees touching, keeping your hands on the planchette, and even when to say goodbye when it might be a demon. A.K.A. all the hell no signs. Also, as a side note, please do Ouija sober. If you are under the influence, you can lose inhibitions, and that's not good. So, we began. And I'm not going to lie, I was low-key convinced I was going to get possessed, which Dana later told me was not a good thing to be thinking of while doing it. And I had the word Zozo repeating in my head. I know, scary. Oh, no. We started on a floor that was on top of the old chapel area. We didn't get much, but it was also a busyish walkway, so we just kept being interrupted. Then, we moved to the top floor as close as we could get to the old burnt-down orphanage. We kept getting gibberish or ABCs, which I think showed the age of kids. We also asked a few of the spirits how old they were, and they all said zero. Which also could have been a demon. Who knows? We then moved to our final destination, right beside the chapel, and also a floor on top of where the nuns' bodies were laid in the crypt. All 276 nuns, which, fun fact, once included Saint Mother Marie Margaret de Uville. And man, oh man, this is where things really started. And she sent a picture of the crypt, which no one's allowed to enter, but you can look through a window. Cool. Ooh. First off, it was spooky as hell, and it was a very quiet area, so we were all alone. We got some activity, but nothing interesting, so we kept saying goodbye, although the planchette moved much faster than in the other locations. Then we met Pei, a.k.a. the sweetest nun ever. One of the first questions we asked was if she worked at the convent, and she was hesitant to answer yes. We figured the word worked was not the best choice of words because her dedication to God was was not necessarily a job. She did tell us that she died at the age of 57, which would have made sense due to the sickness that most nuns would have died at an earlier age from at that time. Also hence why the nuns are still buried in the residence building, to prevent the infectious disease from escaping. Then we asked her what year she started working there, and she replied, 1917, at the age of 30. And remember that February 1918 is when the top part of the building burnt down. So it made sense logically. The name she provided was just Pei, which we didn't know if it was a nickname or initials, although she did say it was her initials when we asked. We also tried to see if we can find any evidence of her existence, but no such luck. It was hard with little information on her name. She answered so many of our questions. We asked her if she liked working with the children, in which she replied yes, and if her her service was worth it, which she almost moved to no, but then decided on Yes. There were some questions that you can tell she lingered on a bit longer than the rest and ones that she answered right away. We also asked if there were any other spirits in the building that were harmful, and she hesitated and then said yes. But then we followed with if we were safe, and she also replied yes, which gave us so much warmth. Overall, she had a very warm energy to her that felt almost like your favorite aunt, and in the end we legit spent 40 minutes talking to her, and it felt like it had just been 10 Regardless, it was my first and only Ouija board experience, and I don't know if I'll ever do one again. I probably will, but I'm grateful that I had such a wonderful spirit to talk to in my first experience. Thank you so much for reading. You are both doing so amazing, and I feel like a proud mom. See you on the <laughs> other side, Caroline. P.S. I also do a podcast with my two best friends called Astro Gals, so if you're into astrology, you'll hopefully love it. Oh, hell yeah. P.S. P.S. If you're ever in the Toronto area, I'd love to meet you both and show you some spooky spots. I want to go to Toronto. I love Toronto. So pretty.
0: Wow. Okay. So really, I thought that this was going in a really bad direction given, (laughs) number one, the repetitive, obsessive thoughts of being like, I'm going to be possessed. (laughs) Like that
1: is very scary. But it sounds like she just has like our mental states where we're always like thinking the worst in in paranormal situations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get that. But then also the fact that the kids came through and said that they were zero, like that's, unless they were like, oh, this is funny. Like, let's all say we're zero. And like, it's a little kid prank. Otherwise that seems like, hey, that might be the scary thing that you have to worry about here. And it makes me wonder if this woman who had spent her life as a nun had somehow managed the hierarchy or, or was able to like finagle and take over the board to help protect this group.
1: Yeah, I mean, they also moved around quite a lot in the building, so it's also very possible that, you know, the darker energies or entities are not in the space that Pei was in. True, true. Yeah, I wonder if there's this really distinct divide. Yeah. yeah. I want to do more research on this place. How sad. That's such a tragic story of I that know. orphanage burning down.
0: I know. I feel like that this is the setting to a scary movie.
1: I also really want to... Figure out who Pay is. P-E-Y. I feel like there has to be a record of the nuns that worked there, and maybe we can track it down, and then we're going to make a podcast about this woman, and it's going to be great. It's going to be our podcast and their podcast together,
0: and it's a new podcast called Pay.
1: Pay, comma, who is she? Who Question is mark. she?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tell us
1: your secrets.
0: Well, we're about to learn who Jenny is, because this email is from Hannah, but it's titled Jenny, Jenny, Jenny. Oh! Hey guys, I live in London but grew up in a very small and supposedly haunted town in Connecticut. Our cemetery is apparently one of the most haunted in New England and has its very own infamous white lady story, which brings me to my experience. I had to write in after listening to your encounters episode where a listener mentioned that her name, Jennifer, means white phantom, and both of you ruminated over the idea that maybe all white ladies are thusly named. One night when I was probably around 18, this would have been right before I moved to London or when I was home for a visit. I had a dream that I walked into my laundry room and a thin woman with long dark hair in a white nightgown stepped out of the closet. I don't remember everything that she said other than that her name was Jennifer. And I knew that she needed help. I distinctly remember asking her frantically what I could do to help her before I woke up. I already have chills. A few days later, I was home alone, sitting in my living room watching TV in a chair that directly faced the door to the laundry room. All of a sudden, the glasses case, which was sitting up on top of the cabinet next to the door, came flying across the room towards me and landed about a foot from the chair that I was sitting in. Again, no one was home. All the doors and windows were closed tight. There was nothing to disturb this case, which had likely had been sitting there untouched for weeks. My reaction was surprisingly calm, considering what a wuss I can often be. I simply turned off the TV, stood up, (laughs) walked out of the room, leaving the glasses case where it was on the floor to show my family as evidence when they got home, and I pointed emphatically at it as soon as they walked in, but they were quick to brush it off as one of my teenage melodramas, and they just laughed. Nothing ever happened again, and I eventually joined in on the joke, with my brother and I often serenading the spirit with the song by the drums, Oh shit well i don't know the song but it's jenny 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 don't be lazy i'm still not sure what i think about the whole hmm. episode but it would be interesting to hear your opinions maybe this is the further truth that all jennifers are destined to wander the earth in white 90s scaring the living
1: for all eternity from hannah wow okay i don't know Maybe Jenny is just passing through and kind of looking for something, and maybe multiple people across the world have had these dreams of of a woman named Jennifer looking for help. Yeah, I don't know either, but it, it
0: seems so strange because it seems like it first presented itself in a dream. And granted, if you dreamt of this like kind of scary-looking person coming out of a dark laundry room, you would freak out, right? That seems like a scary dream. But the fact that she felt like all of yeah. the feelings were like, no, I need to help this woman. I need to listen to this woman. That makes me feel like it's so different because that's not your normal reaction. And then for the same section of the house that the dream was in, the laundry room, to be where the object was thrown from, it makes me think that there truly was a spirit that needed help. And going back to living in this haunted town in Connecticut that has one of the oldest, like most haunted cemeteries. Or Mm -hmm. or white lady stories. And it makes you wonder, like, is it infamous for its haunting? Because kind of like what you were saying, this woman is seen by so many people. Mm -hmm. Or has there just never been the opportunity, never been like the chosen one for someone to finally help this person solve
1: her mystery or whatever it is she needs to move on? Yeah. And I wonder, too, if because in my mind is like if this woman Jennifer was only in their house then would wouldn't they have seen Jennifer again if she really needed help but what if after Hannah told her family and they didn't believe her the ghost was like oh I can't I won't be right. able to get the help that I need here I need to try some someone else
0: the other thing too is that Hannah could have unintentionally closed her herself off a bit after that yeah you know that's what teasing does to you you right. start to
1: shut down yeah. Ooh, I hope Jennifer got her help. I know. Jenny, 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 we need to help her. Also, that is a very traditional way that white lady ghosts appear to people and ask for help, you know?
0: Yeah. hmm It makes me wonder about, like, kind of the comparison between white ladies that are seen in the cemetery and those that are usually seen, like, more like La Llorona, like, by mm. by bodies of water. Because there's a lot of parallels between the two, but.
1: yeah. One is thought to be more benign, right? Right. Yeah, La, La Llorona is much, much more terrifying. She'll steal your children and probably you. Okay. 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 This is from Taylor, and it's called "The Night I Was a Sleep Paralysis Demon." Question mark. Whoa. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. Living for your podcast right now. You two are so funny and make my workdays a breeze. Nothing like sitting in an office and listening to spooky stories. Anyway, on to my experience. A bit of background. I am a believer in all things spiritual and ghostly. However, I've never really had anything happen to me. This is until my roommate Kaylee moved in with me. She's a close friend, and we met overseas while we were traveling. I live in Australia, and she's from New Zealand, so she decided to jump the pond and come live in a warmer climate. She came with extra baggage in terms of a spirit which she said was always with her in New Zealand, but she didn't expect it to get on the plane with her. I went from living alone in peace with my dog to living with my dog, my friend, and her ghost, Toby. Oh my god. Toby never bothered me, though. He was friendly and stayed in Kaylee's room, but would be nosy here and there, banging on walls and making weird noises, but I think his presence may have heightened our sensitivity to the other side. So, moving on to the actual story. You know how they say demons can travel through electronics? Well, a few months down the road living with Kaylee, we decided to watch Demon House after a day-long marathon of ghost adventures. Ooh. Now, sure, we can put it down to us being spooked, but keep reading and you can decide because I believe something went on. And this is not the first story we've read about people watching Demon House and something happening. Yeah,
0: no, if you're tuning in right now, it's a movie that Zach Bagans had... Directed or wasn't produced, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. But there's a warning at the beginning that those who've seen the film often experience some sort of demonic presence or some sort of pretty bad spiritual activity within, like, a few days of watching it.
1: And I think I told the story about the real house and, like, the history of Demon House Mm -hmm. on the Mm -hmm. podcast before. I can't remember what episode. Is that a surprising—yeah. Is that a surprising we don't remember anything we talk about on this podcast? No. Because the men in black, they just visit us every week and they wipe. Wipe our memories. Okay, so Taylor says, And now a bitch needs to be saged. It's me. I'm that bitch. So, (laughs) this was the second time I had watched Demon House, and it was Kaylee's first time. Throughout the movie, our resident ghost was being a bit noisy, shuffling around in Kaylee's closet, where he lived— And thinking he was just having a hissy fit, we were like, yeah, okay, can you be quiet, kind of busy over here, Toby? Thinking nothing of it, we ignored him and continued to watch. But maybe we should have listened to him. We get through the movie and Kaylee is adequately freaked out and I'm like, okay, time for bed. No big deal. I've seen it before. It can't scare me like it did the first time. So I take my dog out and go to bed at about 11 p.m. I fall asleep pretty quickly, but at about 3 a.m., I get woken up by a really deep throaty growl. When I woke up to this growl, my dog who sleeps at the end of my bed was sitting by my head shaking and I could hear my neighbor's dog who lives outside barking. I have never woken up to hear him barking before. In my tired ass state, I acknowledged what was going on and all I said was, okay, demon, sarcastically and went back to sleep, shaking my damn head. I brushed it off thinking I was hearing things until I told my roommate about the noise the next day. And then she proceeded to tell me that during the night she was half asleep and felt someone staring at her. She opened her eyes and saw me standing over her, staring at her, watching her sleep. She tried to ask me what the fuck I was doing because she was very confused about the situation and was pretty scared. Then she fully woke up, but I wasn't there. And her heart was beating so fast because it felt so real. Up to two months after this happened, I found myself in a really dark place. Nothing in my life was going wrong, but I felt empty. That feeling would get more intense when I went to bed each night, and there was a corner of my room that always seemed darker than the rest of my room. I could never take my eyes off of that corner, and neither could my dog. I ended up sleeping with a lamp on because the darkness felt like it was creeping closer each night. The emptiness filled me up and made me think my life wasn't going anywhere and that I could take measures to stop it where it was. I had never felt so emotionally and physically empty ever and I hope I never do again. I managed to get myself out of this from the support of my older sister. She has had something attached to her before and was able to understand instead of calling me crazy and I haven't felt that empty feeling ever again. The closet where Toby lived started to get a bit more active after that night. For example, Kaylee had one of those blow-up gym balls inflated in her closet, and one night while she was sleeping, she heard it make a pop kind of noise. She woke up from it and thought the ball had burst. She opened the door and saw it coming to a stop in the corner of the closet, still fully inflated. So we think Toby kicked it or something. The door would always open to the closet as well. It was a new apartment, so the doors all closed fine, and there were no drafts or anything that could reach the closet door. Not to mention that when my dog would hang out in Kaylee's room, she would stare at the closet too. Anyway, we moved out of the apartment, and even Toby didn't follow. We figured maybe he liked his closet too much, or maybe something moved in with him and held him back. And then she followed up, and she said, Thought I'd follow up with the last story I told you, and let you know about the fact that when we left... We didn't in fact escape whatever was attached to us. We moved four hours away from the last town, relocation for our jobs, this was about four months ago, and everything was fine and quiet. We had a peaceful home again, or so we thought. About a month ago, we both started getting that not alone vibe. We started seeing dark shadows quickly dart from one door to the next, and hearing some tapping on walls, etc. So I wanted to share something crazy, something so downright weird that we can't explain. Kaylee and I obviously have separate bedrooms. We live our own lives and have our own thoughts. But one day, Kaylee told me about a dream she had the night before where she saw that she was asleep and something was flying over her head, landed behind her bed frame and on the wall. She woke up feeling that she absolutely had to get this thing at all costs. She couldn't explain the feeling besides needing to have it. So she got up and literally picked up her bed, moved it away from the wall, but couldn't find the thing put the bed back, and went to sleep. When she told me the story, I was like, yeah, okay, weird dream to have. Until two nights later, I had the same experience. I'd been woken up by seeing something fly over my head. I too was asleep, but I saw my room in my dream as if I was awake. And I woke up, not in a panic, but I guess in desperation. I had to get hold of the thing. I can't even explain the feeling, but I knew I needed to have it in my hands. So I sat up in bed and stared at the roof where I saw it for what felt like hours, but it was probably only 10 minutes, thinking about how can I get it? I need it. When I finally snapped out of it, I looked down to my dog who was now staring at me like, Mom, what the fuck are you doing? And I went back to sleep. We honestly have no idea what it was or why it wanted us to have it, but we were both so drawn to it and haven't seen it again. But recently, Kaylee was at home with my dog alone and our cockatiels. We have one each. They're adorable. And I was at work. She was sitting in the lounge room, minding her own, when a loud floor-shaking bang was heard right in front of the couch, not two meters away from her. Our birds flew off their cages at this sudden bang, and my dog, who Kaylee said was hanging outside, came in to see what was up. Needless to say, Kaylee was shook and texted me to hurry and get home from work. Flash to last week, again, poor Kaylee was home alone while I was visiting my mom for a week, and she sent me a text one morning of a photo of some clear substance that was dripping down the wall and asked me if I did it. But she knew it was silly to even ask because it was a lounge room wall and one where we don't do anything around. It's near the TV and you don't just have liquid like that around on a random blank wall. Bringing us to the last, most recent thing to happen. The morning after I got home, Kaylee brought to my attention to a three-fingered handprint, and on one of the archways in the hallway. This is one of the areas where we see the shadows darting from doorway to doorway. We don't know what we have in our home. We are not particularly terrified by this entity. Sure, it can make us feel uncomfortable, but we are not fearing for our lives. I hope you've enjoyed our weird stories, and if I have any more, I'll be sure to let you know. See you on the other side. Taylor.
0: That's so weird, and I don't know... I don't know if it's Toby or not, because I feel like Toby was not like hadn't previously presented himself in such ways with right her friend and so it seems kind of out of character for all of this stuff to be happening and for these dreams to come forward and for like the pets to be afraid of the closet and all of that yeah it's weird
1: and maybe it's a new spirit or maybe it's whatever they picked up or came out during demon house I don't know, but like that experience with Demon House is really freaky, and the fact that her that Kaylee woke up to Taylor mm-hmm. hovering over her and watching mm-hmm. her sleep, and then she wasn't there, makes me think like doppelganger or just some weird dark entity imitating Taylor. Yeah, that's so effed up, and this is exactly why I refuse to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel very fortunate that I didn't have anything happen.
0: I know oh I only watched I think I watched the first 30 minutes and then I said I'm not I'm not finishing not worth it as soon as they started investigating I was like I'm out done (laughs) it's a scary one yeah geez well I really hope that I mean she said they're not fearing for
1: their lives but there's still so much activity so I really hope that it calms down soon for them I'm also very curious about Toby and how Kaylee picked up Toby and who Toby is and and why Toby if it's not Toby why didn't Toby come with him I don't know.
0: Well, because my family had something similar where when we lived in Guilford, New Hampshire, Mm -hmm. there was that spirit. I told you about him. He was like an old man that would like whistle and flush the toilet in the middle of the night and flicker the lights and stuff Mm -hmm. and like literally leave out the front door, like just straight up open (laughs) the front door and like do stuff during the day. I don't know. But then he followed my family to Littleton, New Hampshire, Mm -hmm. but then didn't follow my family when we moved to Vermont. So he made it through one move, but not
1: two. Interesting. I wonder if like he was there to make sure you got there okay and then was satisfied with your life or I don't know. Or he found know. something that he loved there and didn't want to continue on. Or maybe like for for Toby and Kaylee, because it seems like Toby came from New Zealand to Australia. And then maybe because Kaylee and Taylor were such good friends, Toby was like, you guys don't need me anymore.
0: Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, it's just kind of like, that that extra comfort that they're there to provide. And then when they feel like you're okay, they they move on. They go back to wherever they need to be or want to be. Yeah. That's a nicer way of thinking of Toby's life. Yeah. Okay. I have a story from Katerina. Hello, ladies. First off, I want to say that you ladies are my favorite podcast to listen to, and you are both killing it. I've been an avid listener since episode four. I just oh my listened gosh. to episode forty-eight. That's that's early. Thank you. <laughs> I just listened to episode 48 about the skinwalkers and I had to email you both about my skinwalker encounter. Okay, so here we go. Growing up every summer, my little sister and I would spend the entire summer vacation with my grandparents in Prescott, Arizona. The house my grandparents lived in when I had my skinwalker encounter was a three-bedroom house where the master bedroom was right off the dining room and kitchen with a large backyard leading up to a huge hill. I was probably five or six at the time and my Grammy was right in the middle of making dinner. My little sister was watching a movie in the living room, and my granddaddy was working in his office, which was all the way in the back of the house. I was walking out of my grandparents' bedroom, and I had this feeling that someone or something was watching me at the kitchen window. It was right around dusk, and when I looked up at the kitchen window, there was this creature staring at me. It took up the entire window and was ducking down to look in the window.
1: What? It had to have
0: been over eight feet tall. <gasps> Ew! The creature had dark brown, shaggy hair and human-like hands, but they were longer than normal fingers. Black, glassy eyes with blue pupils and its teeth all came to points. Oh? It looked as broad as a bear, but with the features of a person. She's saying Bigfoot. Could be Bigfoot. Maybe. It was the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. I remember feeling completely paralyzed, and it took me a few minutes to get up the courage to scream at my Grammy to look out the window. And she just replied, At what? I could still see the creature hunched in the window with literally only a thin piece of glass between her and the creature, but my Grammy couldn't see anything. I went to scream again, but the creature just grinned. (gasps) Oh no, that's creepy! And ran to the huge hill. Oh God. Fast forward. To when I was 22, I was on a road trip with my mom and sister, and we were passing Mono Lake, California, and got on the subject of ghost stories, aliens, and just weird stuff. I finally got the courage to tell my mom what I saw all of those years ago. So I told her the story, and as I'm describing the creature, she stops me and finishes up the details of what I saw, and finished with a, I saw that creature around the same age. (gasps) I'm now 27, and my grandparents have been out of that house for almost 20 years. I've never seen that creature again, but whenever I visit them at their new house, the second I step through the front door, I get that same feeling that someone is watching me and that it doesn't want me there. I refuse to look out any windows day or night, and I will not be in any room by myself. I've stayed in some of the most haunted hotel rooms in Virginia City, Nevada by myself, so ghosts don't scare me. <laughs> Thank you both for the amazing podcast and keep up the great work. It gets me through my crazy work days. I have a lot of crazy stories for you. Um, from my trip to the Goldfield Hotel before I knew it was haunted, and
1: Virginia City, Nevada. See you on the other side, Katarina. Uh Okay. I have a lot of questions. I know you're thinking Bigfoot, but I just don't want to think that Bigfoot's like that maniacal and like the like weird grin and running away. And the fact that it's hereditary has like these hat man it, yes. kind of qualities exactly. to it, but it's a cre- creepy creature right? that's like following their family. Oh, it's so unsettling. I know. And the fact that the grandparents live in a new place and still there's
0: that like lingering feeling that comes with visiting them. It's like, what does that thing want? I don't know. And why is it just at? Here's the other thing. It's just with the grandparents, which is another strange thing. Because when we think about hereditary spirits and like, let's pick on the hat man for a minute, no matter where you are, you could be 30 years old and out of your parents' house and see the hat man. And then maybe your mom saw the hat man when she lived at her parents' house when she was 12. Like, there's no real rhyme or reason to like age or location and yet this creature seems to just be at the grandparent's house and target like visually target someone (gasps) around a certain age and then continue to like lurk and
1: put these feelings on everybody as they had a crazy idea so what's the common theme here it's the grandparent's house and in that first story Katarina said that her grandma was in the kitchen cooking, but we have no idea where the grandfather was. What if the grandfather is like a weird shapeshifter <gasps> and like occasionally has to like excuse himself because he like can't help the transformation Sabrina. and he was lurking in the window because he had a, like, he wanted to watch, but it was like a weird, like no, there's no control over it. Oh it reminds me of Professor Lupin in Harry Potter and there's just no control. And that's why that feeling's always there at grandparents' house because he's always there he's
0: always there oh my gosh oh my gosh that makes me so uncomfortable <laughs> i'm so scared this is the scariest thing in the world this is like the children's book that should never be written your grandpa is a shapeshifter <laughs> don't do it no one do it
1: wait now i want to write that that's
0: so fun <laughs> no. it's like children's books that are not for kids
1: <laughs> they're for us people like yeah. us
0: they're just, they're just for us holy crap oh that's so creepy and what uh, i wonder if there's some sort of like Going off of that, if there's some sort of like magic spell that's cast over the grandma and that's why she can never see it. Maybe that's why she never feels it. She can be face to face like with just a thin pane of glass between her and this creature and never see it because she's under some sort of
1: trance. Or she knows, but she doesn't want to like let everyone else in on the secret.
0: Oh my God. Oh, that's so creepy. Ooh. Okay. Two more stories to
1: end us. Yay. Yay. This is from Barbara. And it's called Encounter. Hi. So first things first. My name is Barbara, and I decided to write in because so many of the stories you tell are so fascinating, and I felt like I needed to share mine. So I've experienced many different encounters in my lifetime. It's very hard to pick one. I experienced things like hearing someone walking up and down the stairs when I'm home alone, doors shutting, even someone putting my lost ring back on my hand as I was sleeping. Creepy, I know, but my mom always tells me it was my grandmother. But the story I wanted to share is what I experienced at my best friend's house several years back. So my best friend's name is Sabrina, and I have been friends with her for maybe a year or so at this time. And we would have random girls night with my older sister, Cassandra, and Sabrina's cousin, Ashley. We would stay up all night drinking wine, eating junk food, and watching horror movies. This is my dream night. (laughs) She says, yes, we're 20 plus having sleepovers. Don't judge us. Literally no judgment. That's my dream. Anyway, Sabrina has a spirit in her house who she grew up with. Her name is Charlotte. When Sabrina and I first became friends, she told me about her. Sabrina first met Charlotte when she was a kid. She found her in her closet, just chilling there. Apparently, Charlotte died in that closet years ago. And it's unknown whether it was an accident or suicide. I don't know if I want to know. So every time I would go to Sabrina's house, I would always feel this other presence. Nothing negative. I just knew someone else was there with us. Charlotte never liked the closet door to be closed all the way because she'll open it. So she would walk around and mess with things like a little girl who was bored and wanted something to do. So one night, Sabrina, Ashley, Cassandra, and I have a girls' night, and things were the same, binge-watching horror films and drinking tons of wine. As it got later, we were all sitting in the living room talking like girls do, and all of a sudden, it got really cold. So cold, we could slightly see our breath. We got creeped out, and instead of sleeping on the couches that night, we ran up to Sabrina's room and all jumped into her full-size bed like sardines. While under the covers, we heard noises in the hall, and the keys on the keyboard typing away on the computer, and the computer making strange noises. The computer was right by my head, and of course, I refused to turn and look. Apparently, I instantly fell asleep, and I have no memory of this, but I was laughing and talking in my sleep for about 15 to 20 minutes before finally stopping. I woke up that morning with a couple of bruises on my legs, and I felt fine and unbothered, but as for my sister, she never stayed the night again. To this day, Sabrina and I are still the best of friends, and I haven't felt Charlotte's presence in a while, but Sabrina's two-year-old son will sometimes go into the closet and talk. I guess we got too old for her, so she moved on to my godson." Even if you don't read my story on the podcast, I'm glad I shared it with you. Keep up the great work, Barbara.
0: Wow. I cannot wait
1: for her friend's son to get a little bit
0: older and a little more vocal and start talking about what he sees in the
1: closet. I know. And what Charlotte tells him because Charlotte wasn't revealing everything to Sabrina and Barbara. Right.
0: Oh, it's so creepy, but also really cool. It's, like, almost a familiar haunting that I am supportive of.
1: Yeah, right? she's
0: not doing any real harm, you know?
1: No. I do wonder – I mean, we've read multiple stories about ghosts in closets. Like, what is it about closets that ghosts like? I mean, it sounds like Charlotte maybe died in this closet. But there's, like, a weird – I feel like closets are a creepy space. Is it, like –
0: paranormal version of a weighted blanket it just feels <laughs> secure there,
1: but I also feel like dark entities like the closet and they creep in there true
0: ooh ooh now I'm gonna be afraid because one of my closets doesn't fully shut <laughs> it, it can't and so now I'm not gonna I'm gonna s- sleep with the lights on tonight oh no yeah, I don't know what it is about closets I mean basements and attics were like okay, it's the dampness it's the the lack of activity it's the darkness what what have you but closets they come in many shapes and sizes. I'm not really sure. That's true.
1: If I'm a ghost, I want a luxurious walk-in closet with like tons and tons of shoes and great outfits. And I'm going to be that ghost who tries on people's clothes. That's amazing. I love that. I think,
0: I don't know what I would do. I think I'd probably just be in the laundry room. I'd live in the <laughs> laundry I'd make a like little, I'd cut out little snowflakes out of the dryer sheets and hang them. Oh, Christmas. that's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> make it your own space. I will. Yeah. This is Corinne's corner. No one come over here. (laughs) All right. I have one to end us on. This is called ghostly encounters at the honey hut. Hello, ghostesses. My name is Alicia and I just recently found your podcast and I'm hooked. However, I can only listen in the car or at work because listening in my house freaks me out too bad. And it keeps me up at night. LOL. I wanted to share a few encounters that myself and my roommates had just a few years ago while in college. My junior and senior years of college I lived in a very large very old house with three other roommates. The house had been known as the hunk hut because <laughs> the previous tenants had all been male, but we moved in and we changed the name to the honey hut to better suit us. I love it. I love it too. That's a really good name. Why didn't we name our college houses like that? We kind of did, sort of. It wasn't it wasn't as like mine was just named after the street I lived on and Right. Ours was like sorority themed. It was
1: Katsol. Yeah.
0: Well, Honey Hut can be – if we ever have like an old – if we ever take on like an old abandoned mansion that we want to restore, Sabrina, we can name it Honey Hut. Love it. Steal it from Alicia and her friends. Perfect. Just a minor detail, but we were all musicians and all in the same music fraternity at the time. The house was huge, with three bedrooms downstairs and a very large bedroom and den upstairs that had a door with a lock at the bottom to give the roommate that lived there privacy. This will be an important detail later in the story. The house had old glass doorknobs on every bedroom door, and the back door was a push-pull door with a deadbolt lock that you almost had to thrust your whole body into to open because it just didn't latch. Also important. As young college students, we were a little creeped out being in this big old house, so we made up a backstory about the house to ease our minds. We said that there had been an older female ghost named Edna who was just (laughs) there to be a grandma to us and to watch over us and our shenanigans – Edna had a great, empowering backstory, but I can't remember it all now. Eventually, some weird stuff started to happen. The first thing we noticed was the dining room light flickering every once in a while, but especially while any of us were practicing our instruments in the house. Maybe Edna didn't like all the wrong notes I played while preparing (laughs) for my junior recital? One night, I was standing in the hall by my bedroom talking to my roommate, who was in the bathroom fixing her hair. We both heard the doorknob start to turn and I turned my head and watched it turn and begin to open. And with these old glass doorknobs, they make a lot of noise when they turn, and you have to turn hard to open the door. Mm. And we both said out loud, "I didn't know you were home." As the door slowly popped open to reveal that no one was there, Ooh. and then the light turned off. My roommate and I both saw this and were super creeped out by, and were super creeped out by it and told our roommate when she got home that night that her door had opened by itself. If I were that roommate, I'd be like, don't fucking tell me any of this.
1: This is too scary. (laughs) I need to know. I would be the person who needs (sighs) to know.
0: A couple of the bigger encounters seemed to be aimed at me specifically. One night during winter break, I was the only one at the house because I had a job in our college town and had to come back early for work. I'd gotten off of work late and got to the house in the pitch black, which creeped me out a ton already. As soon as I walked into the door and got into my room, my cell phone started screeching so loud out of nowhere. I hadn't even been on my phone when it started, and I've never heard that sound before. It would not go away even after turning off the volume, closing all the apps, even after turning off the phone. I was already creeped out by being in the house alone, and this just made it 10 times worse. So I grabbed my stuff, and I left to go spend the night at a friend's house. When I got to my car, the screeching sound stopped, and I've never heard a sound like that again. Weird. Also, during the same winter break, one of my roommates was allowing a mutual male friend of ours to stay in their room so that they could also go to their job over break. I was really relieved to have someone else staying in the house with me until I was in the shower the next day, and he came knocking on the door and said, I have to tell you the scariest thing that happened last night. No. Of course He said this to me as I was in the shower, already afraid of seeing a demon randomly. (laughs) So when I got out, he told me that he'd been awake really late playing on his computer when he heard something in the kitchen. Now, I mentioned the back door earlier, and that's where this comes into play. He walked into the kitchen to find the back door wide open at 3 a.m. in the morning. No. Now, this was not an easy door to open or close at all, and we always kept it locked with a deadbolt. There was no sign of forced entry, and we know the door had been shut and locked all evening. He was terrified, and he checked out the entire house to see if anything seemed odd and to make sure that no one was in the house, but he, he decided to let me sleep and not tell me because he knew I would be way too scared to stay there all night. True. This one freaked me out the most, I believe. One day, I was home alone in the middle of the day taking a nap between classes, and I heard the smoke detector start going off. I didn't smell smoke or anything abnormal, so I got up and I followed the noise into the kitchen to see the smoke detector on the counter that one of my roommates had taken down because the battery had died. When I picked it up, it stopped making noise and I turned it over to see that there was no battery in it, and that caught me off guard. I set it back down and I went to my room when I heard another alarm start going off. This time it was coming from upstairs. The door at the bottom of the stairs was shut, so I opened it and the alarm stopped making noise immediately. This was very concerning, and I did not want to mess with multiple smoke alarms or carbon monoxide detectors, so I called my dad, naturally, and asked (laughs) him what to do. He told me to call the fire department because he was concerned that there may be a gas leak that I couldn't detect, and it was setting off some of the alarms and the alarm upstairs. As soon as I got off the phone, the alarms were all going off again. This time, there were multiple, and they wouldn't stop, and I was getting really kind of panicked. I called my roommate and I told her the, what was going on and she immediately had a bad feeling and came rushing back to the house. As soon as the fire department got there, all of the alarms stopped. They Ooh. checked everything and basically looked at me like I was crazy, and so they left. By the time they got onto the front porch, the alarms were going off again. And this time, there was one going off in the basement. The firemen ran back in and checked everything out, but still nothing. They believed something wasn't right, so they went back to the fire station. They got all brand new smoke detectors and they replaced all of the ones that we had in the house free of charge to help out these poor broke college girls. My roommate that had come home to the house during the smoke detector fiasco had a friend who was sensitive to the paranormal who came into our house. She said that she could sense something in the house and my roommate said that she believed that the things that we were experiencing, especially the smoke detectors, were caused by the spirit living in the house. She said that she didn't sense anything negative but that we shouldn't and that we shouldn't worry about the ghost. We discovered through the smoke detector incident that all of the smoke detectors in the house had actually been expired, which is something that we did not check when we moved in a few months prior. Maybe this ghost was trying to get our attention to help save us if something had gone wrong and the fire broke out. After the first year, two of my roommates Hmm. moved out and were replaced by two new roommates and the spirit activity died down a lot the second year. All of my friends knew who Edna the ghost was and would come in and make peace with her so that she wouldn't do anything to scare them while they were there. We were the last college tenants in the house, and after we moved out, the landlord remodeled and put the house on the market. My roommates and I went our separate ways and rarely speak anymore, but I wonder if the new owners of the house have had any encounters with our old friend Edna. Thank you for your amazing podcast. It fills my every need for the spooky and unexplained. See you on the other side, Alicia.
1: Whoa. Uh, I'm looking at the house on Zillow right now. It's really pretty, but it does have like an ominous look to it. There's like the way that the hallways kind of bend and stuff are, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I could, I see how they could be spooked by it.
0: Yeah. I think any home that's like a little bit old has both that like in-between balance of charming and just absolutely terrifying. It's hard. It's I hard to agree. know. But it's interesting that she was saying after the smoke alarms had all gone off that she thinks that Edna might be. Actually like protecting them because that was my very first thought the night that she went home and she was home alone over winter break and the sound wouldn't stop screeching. My first thought was that thing, wh- whoever's in the house is trying to make sure she's not in the house. It's trying to get her out of the house. But like I was thinking of it not as like a, oh, this is my house thing, but like potentially something bad would have happened that night and she needed to not be alone mm-hmm. and, and obviously alone. Interesting. In house as a college kid over winter break with only one car in the driveway, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting theory. And then
0: maybe when her guy friend was spending the night and staying over, maybe Edna was just like, you know what, boys? Like, we don't really want them over all night long, so let me just open the door. <laughs> like, he can find his way out if he chooses. I'll, <laughs> I'll
1: make it easy for him to leave. That's very funny. I like that because it makes Edna hate cheeky little ghost but it also like to your to the like fire alarms going off and then being expired like was there something wrong with the door too like maybe that she was like trying to point out that they needed to get it fixed because there was like some faulty thing about Mm. it that could let Mm -hmm. it open i don't know
0: yeah that's a really good point because i mean at first when i was listening to the the or when i was listening i was listening to myself say the fire alarm uh (laughs) part and i was thinking like oh it's it's Whatever is in there is like trying to lure her in somewhere, you know, like one fire alarm goes and the next one goes. But they were eventually all going at the same time in such a weird pattern to make the fire department concerned. Because I was like, well, why would the fire alarms turn off when the fire department's there? Like that would, that's bad. Like you want them to be going. But really, I think it would be better that it went off, then didn't go off
1: and then went off again because then it's like clearly something's wrong. What if Edna just wanted like hunky firemen in in the house?
0: You had this one boy over, but he's not my style and I need more.
1: Oh my God. She missed when it was the, um, the hunk hut. (laughs) Enough of the honey hut. We need a hunk hut. That's hilarious. Bless her. (laughs) Good old Edna. And
0: bless all of you for sharing your ghost stories with us. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Couldn't operate without you. Truly. No, we fully rely on your participation.
1: I feel like you and I, Corinne, would probably, like, have nothing to talk about if it weren't for our listeners. I'm kidding. I was like, wow, I guess
0: (laughs) nine years of friendship means nothing to you.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm joking. But it stimulates so much conversation for us. It's great. It does. This
0: is really fun. And I actually really, really enjoy doing it. I feel like every time I I see someone that I haven't seen in a while, they're like, how's the podcast going? Are you still liking it? And I, every single time, I'm like, oh, my God, I love it. Like, it's never, (laughs) it's just always been such a fun thing for us to have So in our lives much fun. Very appreciative of that.
1: So let's keep doing it. And um, you guys can help us by sending us your ghost stories so we can read them on the podcast. Uh email them to us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com.
0: Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, join our Facebook group that's moderated by a great group of fellow phantoms. Mm-hmm. Um we have merch on our website. We've got things, you know, like
1: rate and review, yeah. do things, tell the people, be spooky. You can also, if you feel inclined, you can also support us on Patreon. And we will see, see you, you on, on the, the other, other
0: side. side. There